Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit abyssbattery.com. In a civilized and cultivated country, wild animals only continue to exist at all when preserved by sportsmen. The excellent people who protest against all hunting and consider sportsmen as the enemies of wildlife are ignorant of the fact that, in reality, the genuine sportsman is by all odds the most important factor in keeping the larger and more valuable wild creatures from total extermination. Theodore Roosevelt all right, y'all, welcome to another episode of the Wild Initiative Conservation Coffee Break. Today, I'm on the line with Mitch Hartley of the Migratory Bird Joint Ventures. This is actually the second time I'm doing this because I forgot to hit record before. <laughs> Mitch, thanks so much for hopping on the line with me today. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, let's try this a second time now that I'm recording. Uh, why don't you give me a general overview of what the Migratory Bird Joint Ventures are, as well as uh, what your role within the organization. Sure. So the Migratory Bird Joint Ventures uh, started about 30 years ago, and uh, what they are are uh, voluntary cooperative regional partnerships. Um, Typically, it involves federal uh, wildlife conservation agencies, state agencies like state fish and game agencies, and uh, nonprofit organizations like Ducks Unlimited or the Nature Conservancy, um, but really a whole host of conservation partners, including tribes, uh, universities, uh, private industry, private landowners. Um, and it started in 1986 um, when the North American Waterfowl Management Plan started out. And that was uh, designed to address a decline in, in ducks, geese, and swans that had been going on since the 70s. And there was a lot of concern there. And um, the, a lot of our waterfowl breed in uh, the northern United States are really mostly in Canada, and they spend part of their life in the United States, and a lot of them winter either in the southern U.S. or in Mexico. So the North American Waterfowl Management Plan was meant to kind of address that annual life cycle that migratory birds have across the continent. And that started the joint venture program with that emphasis on, on waterfowl. And as it evolved, um, after 10 or 15 years, um, in addition to the North American Waterfowl Management Plan, there were conservation in- initiatives that were either hemispheric or national or, or international, focused on shorebirds and other waterbirds and also land birds like songbirds, and, uh, which is to say all birds. And 
um, somewhere along the line, the joint ventures uh, that were focused on waterfowl and wetlands said, well, we really need to embrace bird conservation in general. So we kind of expanded our role um, and now, and we also expanded the number of joint ventures. So now uh, almost all of North America is in, is in one of 24 different migratory bird joint ventures. I work for the Atlantic Coast Joint Venture, um, which covers the whole U.S. portion of the Atlantic flyaway from Maine uh, to Florida and down onto Puerto Rico. And I'm the assistant coordinator and I, I um, kind of lead day-to-day -day operations from Maine to Chesapeake Bay, my role there. So the Migratory Bird Joint Ventures, kind of the thing I realized as I was digging into it is a bit of a unique organization as it's, um, it's not as much like something like RMEF or anything where it's, you've got this overarching organization uh, with kind of individual volunteer run chapters underneath. Um, each of these joint ventures is, a, is almost its own separate organization in and of itself, hence I guess the name joint ventures, correct? Mm -hmm. Correct. Yeah, they're 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 actually quite different. There are joint ventures. They're not just different in geography. They're also different in what they focus on. So, uh, in the middle of the country, have the Central Hardwoods Joint Venture, which is really focused on songbirds and forest management, and whether it's grasslands uh, for quail or sparrows, or whether it's forests for you know for warblers. Uh, they're really focused on forest management and private lands. Uh, you have other joint ventures like the Prairie Pothole Joint Venture that's really focused on an agricultural landscape, a lot of grazing and and uh, crop farming, and lots and lots of small wetland basins that are super uh, productive and important for for birds. Um, our joint venture um, is large in geography, and and there's a lot of different ecosystems within it. But we've actually become more focused in the last few years, and um, we're trying to really fill a niche on salt marsh conservation, uh, coastal marshes, tidal marshes that are uh, really uh, in a lot of trouble in terms of uh, sea level rise. And uh, we're seeing a lot of deterioration in that habitat. And there's certain species that are dependent on uh, salt marsh that are in really steep decline. Birds like salt marsh sparrow and black rail are just disappearing from places where they used to be found. And salt marsh isn't just important for this suite of birds. It's actually a really important ecosystem for people, um, for, for other wildlife that use it, but also for protecting human communities from uh, storms and flooding and, and things like that. Um, it's also uh, pl plays a really important role in the, the marine food web and, and lots and lots of uh, commercial and recreational important fish uh, spend part of their uh, life cycle in, in estuaries, in marshes, salt marshes. So, you know, these fisheries are worth billions and billions of dollars a year and, and tens of thousands of jobs, whether it's blue crabs or striped bass or, you know, you name it. A lot of those species are dependent on these salt marshes. And uh, so we, we see this habitat as being critically important for, for birds, for human communities, and also for sort of the economy. So you, uh, you, you spoke to kind of some of the initial high-level issues that uh, you guys are addressing. Um, what are maybe some of the the types of issues you may see uh, some of the various because you you talked about the diversity in in what each of these organizations uh, really address and I know you can't necessarily speak super in depth to all of the issues all of these groups are facing but what are maybe some of the variety of issues that that people would see uh, across the U.S. that these different organizations may uh, May, may attack or address? 
Well, one of the biggest ones I would say that's an issue across joint ventures is working with private landowners. Um, in a lot of this country, uh, most of the wildlife is found on private land. So uh, working uh, ranches, working farms, working woodlots, um, you know, places that are providing families their livelihood um, and, and places to recreate and, and things. But they're kind of providing this home for wildlife, but they're also, you know, providing jobs for people and places where people live. And so uh, we work a lot on farm bill programs, the conservation chapter. So the Natural Resources Conservation Service and the Farm Service Agency, both under USDA. And there's a lot of, um, that's a very large federal program that is really meant to work with private landowners um, to either improve their ag operations or to improve the environmental side of their ag operations. And so we, a lot of joint ventures, including ours, work closely with NRCS and FSA and, and USDA and all those alphabet soups <laughs> to try to get um, landowners to, you know, have a better, a more efficient operation, maybe, maybe less waste um, and set aside maybe sensitive lands that are better left um, unplowed or, or ungrazed or um, maybe grazed more efficiently or something, but in a way that has benefits for wildlife as well as people. Fantastic. So if folks wanted to get involved with Migratory Bird Joint Ventures, one, where can they find it online? Uh, maybe a good spot to, uh, to go and locate their local joint venture, as well as, uh, you know, just how can they get involved? What's the, what's the best way to, uh, to give, their, give of their time and resources? Yeah, well, that's a, that's a somewhat complicated question. Um, the first part's easy. Uh, there's a website for the Migratory Bird Joint Ventures. It's um, mbjv.org, as in migratorybirdjointventures.org. Um, and there's information there. There's a map where you can um, click on it and see where your joint venture is. And it, it's actually that the link says get involved. Um, but in terms of how they actually get involved, the thing to keep in mind is that joint ventures are our partnerships. So we, we, each joint venture has a small staff. Sometimes those staff members are federal employees. Sometimes they're nonprofit organization employees. Sometimes it's a real mix of partners uh, that work for the joint venture, but we really serve the conservation community. So a lot of joint ventures are sort of customers or clients, if you will, are state wildlife biologists, or maybe a, a manager who works for a refuge or a national park or, um, a nonprofit organization like a Ducks Unlimited biologist or, or an ecologist that works for the Nature Conservancy. So those are kind of our, the people we talk to every day and, and try to support and help them prioritize uh, you know, their work and we help, them, we help connect them with funding sources and so on. So, um, but there are a lot of joint ventures that are working with private landowners. So private landowners you know, might, uh, depending on where you are in the country, uh, if a private landowner reached out to a joint venture, they might be able to very quickly connect them with someone and say, oh, you need to talk with this partner, Pheasants Forever, or you need to talk with this partner with the Nature Conservancy or, you know, the state, the state forester is really someone who can help you with your large woodlot, you know, that sort of thing. We could certainly help connect people. Fantastic. Well, I appreciate you sitting down, taking the time to talk with me today. Y'all make sure you head on over to our conservation page at thewildinitiative.com slash conservation. You can scroll down, uh, look for Migratory Bird Joint Ventures profile on that page, or you can search for them on there. There's links to the website and some of the social accounts. 
make sure you all check it out and get involved. Thanks so much for taking the time today. Yeah, thanks for having us. Spend your Saturdays with life on the water. Join Captain Brandon Simmons for fishing, diving, travel, and so much more. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Oh, look at that thing, dude. (laughs) Let's see what kind of trouble we can get into today. Don't miss Life on the Water every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. (laughs) The destination for outdoor entertainment. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.